0: Well, it's so good to be home. I don't know about you, but whenever I'm gone for any extended period of time, when I come back, I always want to know, like, is this the place? And so far, whether you're glad or not, it is the place for us to call home. We are so engaged in what God's calling us for our life as a family and here at Epic Church, our team. And i uh, thrilled that you're here today. A couple of things before I get into today's talk. For starters, on Friday at about noon, 18 of us returned from being in Uganda over the last week or so, and I could tell you a lot about that, but that's not my assignment for today primarily. Let me just give you two things. It is still to me so incredible to be able to go a different place, very different place around the world, and see what God's up to, and to see how we, church, are making a difference through things like the HOPE Project. And uh, so many people were on this trip for the first time seeing Uganda, including my 12-year-old Sam. And it was just incredible to be there and to go, God, you're up to something so vast that we we just want to limit you. And yet you're doing so much. That's one thing. I, I just want you to know that it's a privilege for us as Epic Church community to be a part of the global community of believers throughout the world. And secondly, if you ever get a chance to go on any of these partnership trips, you should. It's just amazing to see what God's up to. Um, For us, we sponsor as a church over 100 different kids. And so my first trip was in 2012. And that's when I first in person met our sponsor child, Saddam. And it's crazy to see him now uh, grow into adolescence. Like this trip was like, he's not a little boy anymore. You know, he's 15 years old. And and, uh, just to hear about what God is doing in his life and to be with our church partners there at United Christian Center and um, yeah, just it's stunning. And, and, and so I said I couldn't use the whole time to talk about this. So let's, let's pause. Um, we'll, we'll talk more over coffees and lunches. And uh, Frances, who's on our team here at Epic, she led this trip and did an incredible job. Um, secondly, I want to tell you before I get into the message for today is next week we begin a series that I have personally been looking forward to for some time. And uh, it's called What Comes Between Us. And here's the premise of the whole series. Uh, you and I have a longing for relational intimacy. Now, I would even... Go so far as to say that God wired us for relational intimacy. God actually intended that relational intimacy, and by the way, this is a relational series, but it's not just a romantic relational series. Okay, some of you are thrilled about that. Others of you are disappointed. I'm gonna. Those, I'm gonna we're, we're gonna go into that, but we want to talk about any of the relationships that we want to be close relationships in our lives. The ones you have with your spouse, the ones you have with your friends, with your parents, maybe with your children, or people in our Epic Church community. You, you see, God intended for it to be the norm that you and I would be closely connected. But what's our common experience? Our common experience has unfortunately been more times than not. There's something always getting in the way of me and the person that I want to be close to. Is that your common experience? And so let's look at what God intended, and then how do we practically remove the things that hold us back from the lives we want to share with each other? So if you know any human beings who would like better relationships, I would invite them to start showing up next Sunday over the life of this series. But for today, I think we would all agree that there are few feelings in the world like finishing an assignment or completing a big project. Would you agree? Like, I don't know any feeling in the world, like the ones that come with being done with something that was big. And it doesn't matter if it's finishing a big assignment at school. It doesn't matter if it's a major initiative at work that you and your team have spent weeks or months on. When you start, it's like a daunting task, right? And then you just take a step forward. By the way, this is how I feel every time a lot of you come over to our house and leave and I look at the dishes. Like, Shauna. We need to call a task rabbit or something. But you know what? We start from the first dish up, and 10 minutes later, we're high-fiving, like, we're a killer team. We didn't need them anyway. I mean, all this kind of stuff. But when you start something, especially a major project, you're just like, oh, my gosh, it's so daunting. For me, still the hardest or most challenging part of my job is coming up with fresh content on a nearly weekly basis. Like, you think, Ben, you've been doing this a long time. It is still the most challenging thing I do because I tend to write on Wednesdays and Thursdays and Friday mornings. And when I start a new talk, this is where it begins, just so you know. Just looking for a little bit of grace here. I do not get a phone call on Wednesday from headquarters going, hey, Ben, here's the outline. Ben, here are the jokes. They haven't been laughing, but they will this time. I mean, I don't get into that. I start here and this is like the least encouraging moment of my week. Don't you hate that when you have to start something from scratch? But you know what? I begin reading and I begin studying and I begin writing. And all of a sudden, some point in time, I get done writing that manuscript. And then on Saturdays, it kind of starts all over where I begin to internalize and rehearse what I'm going to say. And then on Sunday, I still have a distance to go. But let me tell you what, when one o'clock or so, 105 on a Sunday comes and I step off of the stage for the last time that day, there's an internal party happening all through here. I'm high-fiving different parts of myself and just going, this is, we did it again. And to be honest, by Sunday afternoon, just so you know um, what my insecurities are or what they aren't, uh, I kind of approach Sunday afternoons like I used to approach my finals at the university. Um, I don't know how well I did, but I'm done. Right? You know this? Like, you just get to that point. You're like, I hope I did okay, but you know what? Even if I didn't, we are out of here until next time, you know? And uh, we're in this journey, and we're always trying to complete these assignments or these projects, and... Sometimes I think uh, the question that we're asking, if you've been on a journey with God for any length of time, we all eventually ask this question, am I ever going to arrive? I don't know about you, but when I started looking at my life and, you know, we, we said week one, June 3rd, by the way, all this is online. June 3rd, we said, here's how you start a faith journey with God. Week two, on June the 10th, we said, here's what we need to do to move from wanting to be generous to actually crossing that mile marker of generosity. Will Maraza did a great job the last two weeks uh, of talking uh, week one about what do we do when we're stuck on this journey? How, how can we get unhinged or unstuck? And then last week, powerful job talking about this beautiful principle that God's woven into the fabric of the universe called sowing and reaping. That if you just keep taking steps forward, eventually breakthrough is going to come. And today I want to give a talk titled, Never arrive. Never arrive. Because I think we ask this question, am I ever going to arrive? Am I ever going to get there, right? When it comes to our journey with God, we're like, how many credits do I need to graduate, right? Or, Or how much investment do I need to make through the year so that I can retire from this thing, right? What am I going to have to do to finally cross the finish line? And if there's anything that I can help you with today, I hope it is this shift I want you and I to shift from seeing our journey with God as something on our to-do list and seeing it more like we see the closest relationships in our lives. And if you get nothing else today, I just want that shift in your mind and in my mind to go, wait a minute, because we treat so many things like they're on our to-do list and so many things are, but but here's why it matters whether you see your journey with God as something on your to-do list or a close relationship in your life. If something is on my to-do list, I just want to get it finished. True. But the closest relationships in my life, I don't ever want to get those finished. I want to go deeper and deeper and deeper, and I don't ever want them to end. Does that make sense? Like, can you imagine my marriage to Shauna if, like, the day we got married, I saw it as a to do list thing and I'm out of here? Okay, we made it to the altar. I said I do, you said I do, done. Can you, can you imagine? I, I would never have done that. Can you imagine if parenting my children and the relationship I had, if it was a to do list item? Like this afternoon, right, like feed the 14-year-old a burrito just as a parting gift. And be like, hey, man, I gave you everything I had for 14 years, but I'm done. But some of us are seeing our relationship with God like it's something I have to do. And if that's you, you might be into religion, but you weren't created for religion. Religion says, I do all these things, and eventually I get across the line, and God lets me in, or he's okay, and then I move on to something else. Or religion says, I compartmentalize my life, but God has invited you into life with him. It's not an item on your to-do list. It's not a project or an assignment. It is like the very closest of your closest relationships, one that you can go deeper and deeper into and you never will get bored of it and it will go on forever. So again, for you, if you need to zone out because you've got your nugget of truth to take away for today, it's this, my life, my journey with God, it's not going to be an assignment on my to-do list. It's going to be the closest of relationships. that keeps going and going and going. And so wherever you are, you've not exhausted the relational life with God you've been invited into. Even if you haven't started it, you're being invited today to taste and see that God is good, to see that this isn't a Sunday thing for us. It was meant to be an all-of-life thing for us. Our, our text today, as we look at this idea of going further in the journey with God and, and never arriving, it's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 11. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 11. It will be in the YouVersion notes, and in just a moment, we will stand, and I'll read this to you. But before I read it, I want you to know that Peter writes these words, these nine verses for us. And then when he finishes this paragraph, he says this. He says, I want to always refresh your memory about the things I just told you. Then he goes on to say, I'm not going to be alive much longer. And because of that, I'm reflective right now. And I want you to always remember what I just told you. Okay, as best we understand, Peter was martyred at the hands of Nero in Rome sometime between 64 and uh, 68 AD. And uh, he, he he was martyred there. Paul probably under the same situation about the same time. And Peter's going, I'm not going to be around much longer. You can imagine the persecution was just ratcheting up. And he's like, I don't have long with you, so I want you to never forget this. Today's text is what Peter wanted his readers and what I want us to never, ever forget. So stand with me. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11, again, we're thinking about our life with God, more about the closest relationships, not simply something on our to-do list. And Peter begins the letter by just giving his typical introductory greeting, and then he gets to verse 3 and says this, "...his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness." For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you may be seated. I think there's so much God wants to teach us through his word today as we wrap up this Are We There Yet? series. There is a lie that each of us is tempted to believe. And here's some version of that lie. I lack something that I need for life. I lack something that I need for life. Or something significant is missing from my life. That's a lie that every one of us is tempted to believe, and some of you believed it when you rolled out of bed today. There's still so much that I do not have that I need. But here's the reality. God has given you everything you need for the exact life he intends for you. You have everything you need to live the exact life God has for you. And again, some of you can stop the talk right there. You can push pause if you're listening online later to the podcast. This is the nugget you need to take away because you've been living your entire life Consumed with what you don't have. And God wants you to know today, everything that I have for you to do in your life, you've been given all the resources necessary. Where are you believing the lie that you don't have what you need? That somehow you're missing something significant. That somehow God must be holding out on you. Peter's going, no, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. It's almost as if Peter's going towards the end of his life. Looking back, he's going, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this before. But all along, I had everything that I needed. Peter did not have a perfect journey with God. In fact, there is not a human being except Jesus himself who had a perfect journey with God. With God, Peter's journey, much like yours and mine, at some point along the way, it was flawed. There were seasons where Peter was driven more by fear than by his faith. Anybody know that season? I've been every day of my life. There were times where Peter made these grandiose promises and yet he couldn't fulfill his end of the promise. Anybody know what that's like, to have some intentions that never get lived out? And yet, when you see peter letting jesus down and you see judas letting peter down or judas letting jesus down you you know this without even getting into the text most of you um judas and peter both let jesus down at a crucial moment but their futures looked radically different from one another's and some nugget that you need to take away perhaps uh, several of you in this room right now is it doesn't matter whether it's a perfect journey it matters if i stay on the journey It matters if I stay in the fight, if I keep moving forward, if I get off track. I don't want to get off track, but when I get off track, how I move forward would determine everything about this journey I'm on with God. Peter's like, all along, I had it all. It brings to mind what David says in Psalm 23.1, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, you can't just go around going, I lack nothing, I lack nothing. You've got to connect the first part of Psalm 23.1. I lack nothing. Why? Because... Because the Lord is my shepherd. He's taken responsibility for my life. And he isn't running out of resources anytime soon. I know some of you are like, God, you might need to quit working in San Francisco. It's getting a little too expensive. Now, some of us might have to. We'll figure that out later, okay? God's not like, oh my gosh, I've got to go to Sacramento. I mean, God's in Sacramento. But he's here, okay? He's still here. And he's doing a work in a basement beneath Market Street. And he's your shepherd. And you're like, Ben, how do I make him my shepherd? You don't assign him that title. He takes on that title. Right? And then he goes, I'm going to be Jehovah Jireh. I'm going to be the Lord will provide for you. And so whatever lie you walked into the room today, believing that you didn't have what you needed to live the life God has for you, he wants you to know you do have it. I've given you everything that you need. So let me ask you a question. If we have every, or what do you think, sorry, what do you think is missing from the life that God wants you to live? What do you think is missing from the life that God wants you to live? And I wonder if before any of us get out of bed, on any given morning, maybe every single day before we get out of bed, we just say Psalm 23, one: the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And we repeat it to ourselves till we actually own it and believe it and live under that banner the rest of the day. Because everyone out there is going to go, you lack, you lack, you lack. We're gonna, right, this is the whole idea of marketing. You do know that, right? The whole, and some of you are like, Ben, I get paid, so don't say, like, I am a marketer. Don't, like, I need to market I get it. Totally get it. But the whole idea is to show me what I lack. Now, if I can be honest about this Uganda trip, something that I continue to hear from our team and even from Sam, my 12-year-old on the trip, it's, it was my fourth time there. And so it's weird. It's, it's so foreign to life as I know it, and yet it's become so familiar. And uh, I love this the, the, the opportunity that God has blessed me with. But what I continue to hear from people on the team, including my own son, was dad they basically have nothing and that and yet they live like they have everything like for saddam he lives with at least six people depending on what day of the week it is like every time i go like who lives here that's my sponsor child and i promise you his home is no bigger than six of these squares no exaggeration i did not say the one bedroom that they share down the hall from the kitchen there's no hall because there's a room It's no bigger than this. But when you sense the love that's in that room, you're like, oh my goodness, they seem to have nothing. And yet they act like they have everything. And yet here in America, in our culture, what's dominant? We appear to have everything and we live as though we have nothing. We've never had more than we have today. And yet we've never been more anxious than we are today. You, you've never had more in your hands or in your bank account as a culture than you have today. And yet we act like we have nothing. There's never been more fear. There's never been more depression. And all of that is serious stuff. But the correlation is crazy. When we're over there, we're going, you guys have nothing. You look at the smile. You're like, they think they have everything. What are they thinking? They're thinking the Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. I like nothing. And we're, we go into those trips going, I bet they wish they were American. I bet they wish they were from your Western European country. I bet they wish they had this. They're going, I've I've got what I need. When am I going to wake up and go, God, you've given me everything that I need. Everything that I need. And then Peter goes on in verse 4, and he's like, you guys, listen to this. We can participate in the divine nature. Some of us, the reason our life isn't any more exciting, the reason we're not any further along our journey with God is because we thought we've been left to our own devices to figure this thing out. And Peter's going, it's not up to you and your flesh. You'll never get there in the flesh, but that's okay because God has invited you into life with himself. The stunning reality of a journey with God is that you aren't left to your own devices. You aren't left to what you and a few humans can figure out. The spirit of God comes to live in us and we get to participate in life with God. And yet so many of us are settling for life by ourselves. So you want to do the best you can do? You go for it. But Peter's going, you've been invited in to participate. I love that word participate. It's one thing to be in a stands observing an event, sporting event, a concert or whatever, but it's a whole different thing to be in the game, isn't it? He's going, listen, guys, you don't have to live vicariously through someone else's journey with God. Here's the reality. I should be encouraged and learn from your journey with God, but I should not be satisfied to sit back and live vicariously through your faith. I need to step into my own journey with God and go, hey, that's exciting. I learned a few things from him. I learned a few things from her, but I want to receive this and experience it myself. Put me on the field. Get me into the game. It's my journey. I want to own it and step into it. How do we participate in the divine nature? Peter says that we count on, we bank on the precious promises of God. Here's what you need to know it doesn't matter how true God's promises are if you refuse to trust them. Let me say this again. Who cares what he's promised you if you won't take him at his word? And as I said to the Ugandans, I got a chance to preach there last week, and by the way, you're still my favorite audience, but oh, it's fun to preach to some people who want to talk back. Let's go. Come on. Come on. And uh, what I told them last week, I was just like, listen, are you listening to a voice that isn't true or are you counting on the promises of God? Like, are you listening to the voice that wants to condemn you? Or are you buying into the reality of Romans 8, 1? There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that your sin has separated you from God? Are you believing that voice? Or are you believing the voice, Romans eight thirty nine that nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus? You are believing the lie that you're all alone because of where you live. But Jesus is going, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Some of you are exhausted and he's wanting to say to you from a different place, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Who do you want to live on? Under. What, what do you want to believe? Because his promises could be fail-proof, but if you don't trust them, it's as if they aren't there. He wants us to take him at his word. And Peter goes, that's how you get into the divine nature. But then you get to verse five, and you should be confused if you just read on the surface. In verse three, Peter says, you have everything you need. Verse five, he says, you need to add some things. Which we want to say, Peter, which is it? Right? Do I have everything I need or do I need more? Do you guys see that? Verse three, his power is giving you everything you need. Verse five, you need to add some things. Which is it, Peter? Let me ask the question this way If, if If we have everything we need, why do we need to keep adding to what we already have? Maybe the best way to explain it is to give you this illustration or example. If you're out of shape, what do you need? You need to join a gym. Probably need to hire a personal trainer, right? If you're me, you need to stay away from the bakery at the grocery store and hang out in the produce, right? And apparently, you need to buy several outfits of Lululemon clothing, now, ladies, here's what's great for you. Guys, I don't have really anything to offer you. But ladies, what's great is that, you know, I've been traveling around the world. I've been in lots of airports and airplanes. And the beautiful thing is if you never work out at the gym, you can still wear your yoga pants anywhere <laughs> and everywhere. Am I right? Like, I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like the airplane attire. You know, and we will talk about some other rules at a different time that should go with all that. But it's, it's, like, it's like the thing. You can, you can wear whatever you want. But if you join the gym, if you get a personal trainer, if you bring home fruits and vegetables only from the grocery store, if you have all the right clothing, could you still be out of shape? But you had everything you needed. The difference is you've got to step into it and activate what you've been given. Here at Epic Church, we always ask the question. I want you to help me. We always are asking the question in any endeavor, what is God's part in? What is our part? God's part is he's given you everything you need for the journey. This is huge. Most of the times, if you're going somewhere far away, if you're like me, you forget something, right? Anybody? Like you just forget something. Uh, You know, I did pretty well this week, but the group wanted to kind of constantly bring up the fact that I didn't have a name tag. I left my name tag at home. I've been here four times. They know who I am. Um, so so you, you don't have everything you need sometimes for the journey. And we're like, that's okay. You know, there's no, there's no like target in Kampala to go just get what it is that I need. But, but if you go on a journey, oftentimes you don't have what you need somewhere along the way and you have to get it. And what Peter's trying to say to you today on this journey with God, you've been given everything you need. But you keep adding to it because your part is to step into it and make an effort and become more and more like who God made you to be. So he says, add these things. And as he gives this list, he's not just giving, it's not like a successive list, like you get this first and you get the second He's not even giving us a list where he's trying to say that, you know, the, the last thing is more important than the, than the prior thing. But I do think um, love is the last thing in the list. It really is the hallmark of all the Christian lists, isn't it? Like if you get into 1 Corinthians 13, these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Jesus says, they will know that you're my disciples if you... Right, okay, so you've got all this, all this love seems to be the apex of the Christian life. So th- th- I think that really is important. And it comes last, but he's like, add to your faith goodness. This is just moral virtue. And he says, add to your goodness knowledge. Remember, we've learned here that knowledge in and of itself is simply information. It's more like wisdom, which is knowledge that's applied. He then says something that we all struggle with at times, self-control. Self-control is that inner strength to withstand and resist your desires and cravings. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. He says, to self-control, add perseverance. This is the whole idea of the message. This perseverance word, it, it means staying power. It, it means, just like Will taught last week, like, you know what, I'm going to stay in the fight. I, I might get knocked off. I might be a little bruised, but I'm going to keep on until I finish this thing, perseverance. Add to perseverance, godliness. This just means that you're living to please God. Your character looks like God. Or as we say in our vision statement at Epic, we're orienting all of life around Jesus. And then he says, add to your godliness mutual affection. This is the idea of family like devotion between other Christians. That's what God wants to be present in an increasing measure at Epic Church. Did you know that? He he wants us to have this mutual love for each other. And then he again caps it off with the word love. And he says, "You, you add these things. Well, how do you add these things? I think you add these things through the rhythms and habits of your life. We've hit on this in the series already, but uh, our team talks about this all the time. We, we say, you know what, God's blessing on our lives and on our families and on Epic Church, it's something only he could do. But when we talk about how we've got more of what God wants to do into our personal lives, our families and our church, it has all come down to the rhythms and habits that we live out. Same for you. We did a series two summers ago called Formed, and you can access that on our website. But it was all about the spiritual practices that posture or position you before God so that he can do his work in your life. Things like praying, meditation, study, celebration, uh, solitude, silence, fasting. And you can access all of that, or you can just go grab the book Celebration of Discipline. That's probably the one we recommend uh, when it comes to spiritual practices. But these position us, and you've got to have a plan. If you do not have a plan for how to get more of God into more of you, then you will not get more of God into more of you. All of those projects you love being relieved from when you accomplish them at work or at home or at school, you had to have a plan to get those done. True? They wouldn't happen by accident. And you're not going to go further down the journey with God by accident. You need to decide, how am I going to get more of God into more of me? And as you look at this list, they're not successive. It doesn't mean you can only work at one of them on a time. But you want to say, okay, as I reflect, apparently Will thinks we need to reflect because it's July the 1st. And so we're halfway through the year. You want to look at a list like this and go, hey, what of those, which one or a couple of those do I need to step into? And so for me, they're not exactly in this list, but they go well with this list. One for me is that I want to be more gracious with my speech. And number two is that I want to become a more patient person. So I think patience probably goes with perseverance and self-control. More gracious with my speech goes towards love as well as that mutual affection. What's on that list or... Or, or could be on a list like that, that you need to add to in your journey. And here, here's the thing, we're, we're not just going to do it one time and then graduate from the process. We're going to keep going more and more, right? Some of us, like, right, we live terrible lives and then we open the door for a woman at the restaurant and we think we've done it. Like, done. And it's like, no, no, he's going go go further and further and further into that. Never arrive. Like, you can always be more loving, you can always have more self-control. You can always keep persevering. You, you can always gain more wisdom. And so it's like step into it and get what God wants to give you. He's given you everything you need. And when you and I step into it, we receive more of it. Get to verse 8, and he starts talking about how to be effective and productive. And I know no one wants to be effective and productive, right? The question is, of course we do. The question is, do we want to be effective and productive with the things that matter most? And he says, if you will just keep adding to these in an increasing way, they will keep you. He's giving you like a game plan. Now he's working into strategy. Everybody knows how the whole vision strategy stuff goes together, right? Vision is like, this is where we're going in the future. Strategy is how we're going to get there. And his strategy is, he says, if you don't ever want to stumble, then just keep adding these in an increasing way and you will never stumble. Verse 9, though, he says, but if you don't keep adding these, whoever does not have them, that person is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Here's the way I'll say it. If you don't keep growing in your faith, you will miss seeing what has been and what could be. If you want to live well in the present moment, you need to be present in the moment. You don't need to obsess about the past nor obsess about the future. But if you want to live well in the present moment, you need to have a great remembrance of where you have been and what Jesus has done and where you're ultimately headed. Will said something to this effect. He said, I want to do uh, the things that I value most, not what I simply want to do right now. I butchered it, but something to that effect. Jet lag. Close. It's this idea that every moment I want to decide to live today in light of what God has done and where he's taking me. I don't want to sabotage the purity that I have in my marriage by making a bonehead decision tonight. I don't want to miss out on what God's goal is for Epic Church because I forget what he's done in our past and where he wants to take us in the future. I want to make a wise decision and step into what he has for us because of where we're ultimately Don't be nearsighted and don't forget what you have been saved from. So I said the title of this message is Never Arrive. But let's be honest. In verse 11, Peter does paint a picture of a great arrival scene, doesn't he? Listen to this in verse 11. He closes the text with this. You will receive. He doesn't say you might receive. He doesn't say if you win the lottery in heaven, you might get in on this. You will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so until that welcome party that's going to be beyond what we can hardly even begin to imagine, we step into who God is and what he has for us, and we keep going down the journey, and we won't get to the arrival destination in this life, but when we step across into the next life, there's going to be a rich welcome waiting for us, and we live today in light of that day. So many of us, so many of us live today as though it has no ramifications for what's ahead in our lives. You're like it's just today. It's just one time. It's just a moment. But we need to live today because of everything else that's ahead. Paul, again, he was probably killed around the same time as Peter, under the same reign as Peter, and in the same place as Peter. And he wrote two letters to his protege, Timothy, and in the second letter, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8, he's getting to the end of his life, and he gives Timothy these words. He says, I am being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who long for his appearing. Like Peter, Paul's being reflective towards Timothy, He's like, I'm about done. They're, they're going to get me for good. My departure's at hand. Then he says, I fought the good fight. Pay attention to those words. He does not say, I danced the good dance. He did not say, I coasted where I needed to coast in life. He said, it's a fight. It's, it's a battle. It's one I need to lace up my boots and get ready to go to battle. And then he says, I finished the race. I kept going. I kept sowing. Now I'm reaping. I, I, I'm, I'm making it across the line. And then he says, all along, I kept the faith. It wasn't always easy, but I kept the faith. I never forgot who God had turned me into and from. And I never forgot where he was taking me to. So I kept stepping into it. And now he says, there's a waiting for me and for all who long for the Lord's appearing, a crown of righteousness. In light of that, what do you need to do on your journey with God? Keep fighting the good fight. Finish your race. Don't lose hold of the faith. And there's this welcome party waiting for you and I on the other side. Until then, we keep stepping into what God has called us to be. May your journey with God become less like a to-do list and more like the closest, deepest relationship you could conceive of. I don't know about you, but for me, I get so fixated on a destination that I end up missing the journey along the way. If somebody says to me, which they do, Ben, what would you go back and tell your 2010 self when you moved out to start the church? And not a lot of regrets, but I would simply say this, Ben, enjoy it along the way. Don't just keep keep fixating on what's next, what's next, what's next. God has invited you into something beautiful with Him. Earlier I said, if the Lord is our shepherd, we lack nothing. I believe that's true. But friends, if that's true, this must also be true. If the Lord isn't my shepherd, then I lack everything. No matter what I've accumulated. How many dollars, how many accolades, how much significance I've given to people in this world. If God isn't in my life, then I lack everything, but you don't have to. Where are you in the journey? Do you need to start one? Do you need to step back onto it? Do you need to simply remember where God brought you from and where he's bringing you to? Does it simply need to become for you that it's not a to-do list assignment project kind of thing for you, this journey with God? You actually need to go deeper into the relationship. We're not looking to be done. We're looking to go further. We're looking to go further. God wants a relationship with you to be like the very best human relationships that two years from now, there's an intimacy you and God share that you don't share today. But today you hopefully share something with him that you didn't share two years ago. Let's keep heading down that direction. And eventually we get to this welcome party unlike we can believe. I wanna pray for you today. Would you join me? God, thank you so much for Peter's life. It wasn't a perfect journey. He was flawed at times like every one of us. And yet he kept moving, he kept moving forward. He realizes that you gave him everything and you've given us everything that we need. God, we don't want this to end. We're not looking to be done with this faith journey. We're looking to just keep moving forward, moving forward, becoming closer to you, adding more of these things, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love. Help us to step in an increasing way further down the journey with you embodying the kind of life that's in you in jesus name amen i want to ask you to stand and uh todd's going to lead us in a song that's simply called everything and it marries perfect with our vision here at epic and our vision is just this that that you would orient your whole life around jesus that you would believe that we be- like we believe which is all of life is sacred like you don't have your Sunday thing and your work deal and then you have the relational thing and then your hobbies. You just have a life and wherever you happen to be, it's meant to be live for Jesus. That's the whole point. So keep adding those components and characteristics that look like Jesus. And let's dedicate every aspect of our lives to him. Let's build our lives around who he is, whatever the subject may be.